Hello and welcome to Raising Learners, a conversation about supporting your child's learning in school and at home. Throughout this series, we discuss questions like how to build a great relationship with your child's school and teacher, how to keep your child safe online, and how to navigate the sometimes challenging final years of high school. I'm Julie Green from raisingchildren.net.au and I'll be hosting today's episode. I want to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands where each of us are recording today and to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. For me, that's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Today we're talking about supporting bored and restless children through play, physical activity and screen practices. I'm joined by play specialist Kat Sewell. Great to have you with us, Kat. Hi, Julie. Nice to speak to you. Kat, what is boredom and is it ever okay for children to be bored? Well, I think absolutely it is. It is okay and I think it's okay in all humans. So it's a natural state that we all feel sometimes. And really what it is is a feeling of being a bit uncomfortable and not really knowing what to do with yourself and perhaps that might be something to do with how you're feeling or not knowing uh, what to do with your body. But it also does happen when children don't quite know how to focus on something. But absolutely, it's a natural state for all of us. So how might parents understand boredom a little bit more so that it may not necessarily be a bad thing? Well, I think the way that I like to think about it is that boredom is quite close to the creative process, I think. So what happens is we're a bit stuck with what we want to do with ourselves. But if we were able to push through that, that's when we really get amazing imagination, creativity and resilience in children being able to find something out themselves. So the actual state of boredom is not something we need to be so scared of because by pushing through that, that's when we're going to really start to see those brains light up and the connections in the brain start to really fire and that's when we know that they're learning and their imagination is sparked. Okay, so when a child might say to their parent or carer that they're bored, they've got nothing to do, how might parents think about responding in different ways then? Well, I guess there's, there's lots of ways to think about it and I guess the context matters here as well. So first of all, I think it's, it's good to be kind of just, just take a moment and be aware of what's happening in the situation. So sometimes boredom might come from a real feeling of restlessness, especially for you know, for all children really. And you'll notice that in the way their bodies are. So maybe they're jiggling and they can't sit still. And that cue is telling us as parents that potentially the boredom is that they really need to activate their bodies. And other times it might be that they don't have enough stimulation in their environment. So you might be able to facilitate that by putting some objects around or brainstorm some ideas with them. So I just think it's really important for parents to know that don't have to entertain your children every second of every day it is important that they're able to start and follow through with some ideas on their own. Mm. But I would say too that often a really nice way to think about it is kind of bookending. And this is particularly for for slightly younger children, if we're thinking about early primary, that you might want to start them off on an activity or get out some materials that might be fantastic for them to play with or set them off on an idea, then allow them to spend some time getting into that activity and then come back. This is the key one of coming back 
and reconnecting with your with your child and saying, oh, how did you go? Tell me about what you made here and asking them those lovely open-ended questions, which gets their language moving. Okay. That's really getting us going. I think we know that parents are always really keen to add to their toolkit on how to help. Tell us some more about how parents can help children who are bored. Yes. Okay. So some really good things to think about for like, I'm going to talk about some practical tips here because that's always really helpful. So a couple of things that can really help with when children are bored is number one, my ultimate always go to is what I call loose parts. And all that means are materials that can be used in lots and lots of different ways. And some people think that this is only relevant for really small children, but it is absolutely relevant for kids all the way through teens. And the wonderful thing about loose parts is that the same, literally the same materials can be used with your five-year-old, with your eight-year-old, with your 12-year-old, because what they bring to it is what sparks the, the imagination. So, for example, some of the things I love definitely are things like string and masking tape, recycled materials, natural materials are always the winner. So, getting outside as much as you can you know, sticks, leaves, build a cubby house out of branches. <laughs> you know, natural materials are always fantastic. Things like fabric and sheets, even for older children, creating something out of fabric can be wonderful. Also balls. The balls are the ultimate, you know, they've been around for millennia. And, you know, having some balls around of different sizes and shapes for different types of play is really fantastic. So things like inside, you might want to use something like ping pong balls because they're not going to break windows. But, you know, a ping pong ball can be played with with an 80-year-old and it can be played with with a baby. It's it's just the game that the imagination of that child brings to it, which is what really enhances it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're also saying think ahead, be ready for those times where kids might be bored at home. So if you've got the materials, how can parents spark, just help their children spark their imagination? I would start with including them in that conversation. I remember someone saying to me once that when their child says, I'm bored, their response would be, Oh, really? That's fantastic. I wonder what you're going to do with it. You know, so reframing that the way that think about it. So, you know, I guess if oh, I'm bored, if we brought out some of those materials, we might say, well, I wonder what we could do with that. I wonder if we could create a game or I wonder, I wonder if you could make something really interesting with that. So we ask those questions and kind of brainstorm some ideas with the kids at the beginning and then take that moment and say, well, I've got to go and do some work for a little bit, but I would love to see what you've come up with it. And maybe you could teach me the rules of the game and I can play it with you at the end or, you know, I'd love to see what you've made with these objects. Mm, Thanks. I love that, that reframing boredom as an opportunity to be creative and use imagination. So I think that you're also saying there that parents can play a really helpful role in steering things along and engaging, but that children can really also drive activities. So. What about focus time with children and parents together that really brings benefits to kids' development and well-being? What are some of your favourite suggestions for families to, to do and enjoy time together? I think it is really important. And again, kids really need that unstructured time on their own as much as possible to really build their resilience and their character. But it is really important that we have those moments of connections. And it doesn't necessarily need to be 
hours and hours, even a really small short burst of connection can really fill up a child's bucket, so to speak. So that they've got that they're filled with love and they're filled with a sense of purpose and connection and then they've the resources within themselves to go off and do their own thing again. So some of the stuff, you know, again, it's really just classic. So Again, if they're really restless and, um, and you've got a really active child, like that sort of roughhousing and, you know, tickle time, or uh, we've got a game that we play called Monster, where I'm off the bed and the kids are jumping around the bed. I've got to try and grab them by the ankle. You know, those, that sort of really fun, high energy game. We can, even if you play that for 10 minutes, everyone's exhausted and that's really lovely. But then also things like board games are really wonderful, especially when you're talking about slightly older children and then going all through the teens, card games, anything also that as an adult you find engaging too trying to meet that point of where you as an adult can be engaged and the child can be engaged together Uh, and then including them in the everyday rituals and tasks around the family so getting them to help with the cooking kids who are involved and interested in cooking you know that's just got so many benefits in terms of their health their interest in food they're much more likely to be eating healthy food if they're cooking it themselves so including them in those rituals getting them to help And also really just, I think, stepping them up and going, you can do this. You're a valued member of the family. You can chop the vegetables and you can cook a meal from scratch. My 10-year-old the other day got inspired by one of her friends and made us a three-course meal pretty much entirely on her own. You know, so sort of like letting them rise to the challenge and and being included in the family in that way. Mm, So there's so much that can be integrated. Play and stimulation can be integrated into the everyday. Uh, They're all really wonderful ideas. I'm wondering about how the physical play fits in a little bit more. What are some of your favourite ideas and suggestions or what have you seen that works really well around physical activity for children and for families to do that together too? Well, I would say uh, maybe two points on this. One is a slight verge on that, but I just, I really want people to think about too, when you're thinking about play and boredom, to really expand your mind in terms of how the whole body is stimulated. So perhaps something active might be something that's really sensory. That might be the stimulus for something really active and really stimulating. So for example, playing with light and torches, you know, a game of spotlight in the backyard with torches with a sibling is super exciting and really fun and can be very active. So just thinking about different types of play, like the pretend play, the role play, the, the really the big motor control play around climbing, the challenges that you can do, but also that sensory stuff I think is really important. Doing stuff with your hands, like making something with clay or messing around with bubbles or water. So we just need to think about that element as well. Mm. And in terms of active stuff, sorry, I was just going to say, number one, outside. Be outside as much as possible. You know, I think there's just so much information around saying that, you know, natural space is the ideal place for children. They're stimulating, but not overstimulating. And kids will always be naturally way more active outside than they are inside. So climbing trees, going for runs, jumping over cracks in pavement as you're going somewhere. But even inside, like a friend of mine shared a great game a little while ago where she used old, and we, we tried this in our own hallway, used old like toilet roll cardboard things and wrapped them up in paper. And we created our own 10 pin bowling for inside and we just used like a softball and that was super fun. And we even did it with another family over a video call and scored it together. So 
it's about allowing the creativity to come with everyday materials. It doesn't need to be expensive stuff. You just need to allow those that imagination to fly. Mm. And apart from being fun, what's also happening behind the scenes there is strengthening hand-eye coordination, gross motor skills, balance, that sort of thing too. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. So what about role modelling as well, you know, in terms of parents putting their attitude towards that sort of physical play? How does that kick in? Yeah, I think it makes a big difference if you're in a family and you see, you know, at least either one other person in your family being active and having hobbies and doing interesting things. And of course, that's going to make a big difference and going to spark that ideas in the children that are around. And also, again, it's that point of connection. The dad or the mom or the auntie who goes and kicks a ball with a child, a lot of kids, even adults now have such strong, fond memories of just that moment of connection of kicking a ball around the local park or in the backyard. Those small things can't be underestimated. So we're doing so many things in that one moment of kicking the ball. There's all this amazing motor skills. There's heaps of maths and counting that's happening with the scoring and with, you know, we've got precision happening. We've got this connection happening and also the cultural stories that might happen around that. And I guess maybe that's another big one too. Things like the cooking or the playing together or the ball games or the reading a book together, sharing a story. It also connects, it connects children and families to the greater oral language stories of their families as well. So that's when, you know, naturally you might share a story of, oh, my grandfather used to make this meal or, and a beautiful story emerges from that or, oh, when my dad played footy at school, he would tell me that there was always this one friend who made the most amazing marks or whatever it is. But those points of connection allow for that you know, natural storytelling to happen and also to really share whatever your culture is, whatever your family culture is. And that's when those nuggets are really, are really born. And parents often see their children gravitate towards particular interests. So how handy can that be, Kat, in moments of boredom and restlessness? I think that's one of the key things, actually. So as parents, part of our role is to kind of stand back a bit from kids and watch and see where their interests are because that's where the gold is. So if you notice that your child has an interest in art or photography or electronics or building or puzzles, then that's your cue, that's your clue into what sorts of materials might really spark their imagination and assist with those times of boredom. There are some incredible open-ended things around that will support that. Like even, for example, with electronics, instead of putting them through a a course, for example, that tells them exactly how to do something, you might be able to provide them with even like an old piece of electronic equipment that they could take apart and see what's inside it and think about how it might go back together. So we still need to be thinking about allowing for more exploration and open-ended stuff instead of saying this is exactly what you need to do and how you do it because that's not necessarily building their skills of self-exploration, which is what we really want um, when we're thinking about boredom. But we need to follow those passions and follow those interests and really raise them up for children. So it is about us noticing that. And another really big one that's going to get a lot of families through and a lot of children through is music. Even just putting music on if you're feeling bored can be incredible. Music is a great way to spark the imagination. It's a great way to form connections with yourself, with culture. 
dancing around the kitchen, playing an instrument, discovering new types of music, finding your dad's old record collection. Pretty much everything to do with music is a kind of gateway into exploring new worlds. So I would put that high up on the list of, um, you know, to have in the family's pocket, I would say, for boredom. And at the moment, we know that some families have limitations in the amount of time that they can spend outside. So any extra words of encouragement for parents who might be a little restricted and just giving them an extra helping hand to foster some uh, activities at home? Sure. I mean, the reality is that at the moment, you know, depending on where you are, you might have access to heaps of outside space and you might have access to next to none. Use as much time as you can to go outside and explore and even just walk around the local neighborhood. Try and find as many green spaces as you can for visiting. But you know what? There's heaps of inside stuff you can do as well. You know, you could make an obstacle course that goes down the hallway. You can play floor is love around the lounge room. You can throw ping pong balls around the room and, you know, they're not going to break a window. You can set challenges for yourself and see, you know, maybe you can practice juggling or there are actually lots of things you can do inside. You know, there's even, I remember this was for slightly younger children, but I used to love, I've got glass around my shower and I used to love chucking the kids in there with some paints and they'd paint the inside of the glass on the shower. And then we'd just wash it off at the end. So it doesn't, just because we're inside doesn't mean that there isn't things to do. There are things to do, but we need to make sure that they're still staying active as much as we can, even if we're inside a lot. And thinking about how screen time fits in, children often turn to their screen when they're bored, which has pros and cons. How can parents help foster screen practices at home so they're a positive part of family life, Kat? Well, I think, you know, the reality is screens part of most families. And as you said, there is, there are positives and negatives. I think number one to think about is balance, isn't it? So of course you might just have some downtime and us adults really enjoy it too. Just some downtime to watch something and not think too much, but it really, we need to understand how that moment is fitting in the whole day. So hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of that when you're not doing anything that's really stimulating your brain much or when you're not moving very often and not being active is can be quite detrimental. But, you know, if so we need to kind of think about, all right, what's happening on either side of these times? Are we getting enough physical activity in the day? But I would point out too that the online stuff can, screens can actually be an incredible point of connection, you know, especially in times when you're away from other people, like Skype calls or video calls to family members in other countries and other places, they form amazing connections. So I guess maybe one of the things to think about with screens is to kind of distinguish between like a passive screen time and an active screen time. There's some, even some of the games and the videos that you can play online are actually quite active and there's a lot of brain that's being used. And actually, some of them are really physical. If you're thinking about online games where you have to dance or you've got like a Wii and you're playing a sport game, they can be quite physical. But even games where there is action happening in the brain are going to be a little bit more stimulating than just purely watching. So for an example, a child might really love playing Minecraft and there's actually a whole lot of thinking going on in there. You know, there's math stuff, they're building, they're creating worlds. It's like Lego, but inside the screen. If you say, all right, if we compare that to a child watching 
like an unboxing video, which is a really strange craze that kids like to see of just watching other kids on screens playing the video game or undoing boxes to see what's in there. There's not much value in that. So I think we need as families to be really aware about what is happening, like where they're going in the screen world. But I don't think it's necessarily fundamentally a bad thing to have screen time, but we just need to be aware of it and balance it with other stuff. Mm. And what about the role screens can play in parents and children engaging in something together? Yeah, I mean, even just that moment of even like again, just that chill time. But if you're actually watching a movie together, that can be a beautiful ritual all the way through primary and high school. If you've got like a Friday night movie time and you, you pop some popcorn and you all sit around together and there can be beautiful connections that happen there. And then you're also playing games together, doing some Mario Kart and your dad's on one couch and you're on the other couch or whatever it is. There can be beautiful connections that are happening when kids and adults are playing together. And that's emulating what you see when kids play anything together with their families or whether they're playing a board game or card games or kicking a ball. You can still get that connection with some screen stuff. But I think also that there is that really big one of staying connected to those who aren't nearby you. So grandparents or family members or friends who don't live near you, getting them involved in your family through video calls and and phone calls is really important and really fantastic. Mm. Look, that has all been so interesting. Before we finish up, Kat, if you had just three things to share with parents, what would they be? Hmm. All right. So my first one would be, don't be scared of a bit of boredom. We don't have to entertain our kids every second of every day. And then I guess my second one would be that boredom has an amazing place in sparking creativity imagination, problem solving, and building resilience. And my third one, I would say that we need to think about boredom and what it's telling us about what's happening for the child and to also use that moment to spark in our brains to remember to have those really important connection times with our kids, whether it's, you know, physical hugs or playing around or showing interest and asking questions about what they think about things. So that's the other end of it. Sometimes the boredom is hiding something else that's underneath, that, that, they, that they need you for a moment, and it doesn't have to be long. So I would say, yeah, connection, don't be scared of a bit of boredom, and embrace that creativity, problem-solving, and imagination. Well, terrific takeouts for parents to go forth and help their kids make the most of boredom. Thanks so much, Kat. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and tell your friends. For more tips and information about the topics we've covered today, visit raisingchildren.net.au and education.vic.gov.au. I'd also like to acknowledge the Department of Education and Training Victoria for their support of this series. We hope you'll join us again next time.